Amen. Man, that, uh, that last song was really beautiful. That was just something. If you can't worship after that, your worshiper is broken. <laughs> you need to go to a worshiper repair shop. I don't know if they have those. Do they have those in Sedalia? Yeah. Okay. Amen. Well, we are continuing our study of the book of Hebrews, and this morning I'm calling this The Danger of Neglect. The Danger of Neglect. I got a kick out of a few of these. Uh, maybe you've seen some of them, these ridiculous warning signs. You know, we live in such a litigious society now that they put warning signs on absolutely everything. For example, I saw this one here that was in a laundromat, uh, and it said, uh, do not put any person in the washer. Now, I was personally thankful for that because I know every time I go to a laundromat, I have this uncontrollable urge to crawl inside the washer. So that uh, warning label has saved my life dozens of times, so we appreciate that. This one's almost as uh, ridiculous. Uh, on the back of a microwave, do not use for drying pets. Uh, now, I looked a little closer at the fine print, and there is a little a caveat, except for cats. You can put cats in the microwave, but otherwise, no pets, right? And then uh, this one, uh, you, really, you really have to wonder about this one. This is on a decal that you iron on your shirt, and it says, do not iron while wearing the shirt. Now, if you need this warning label, it's probably best to stay away from irons entirely, in my opinion. Now, this next one, you look inside the label of these children's uh, shorts, and it says, wash inside out, remove child before washing. <laughs> Are there a bunch of people that put people in washing machines? I don't get it. What is really, why? I mean, I notice it's made in China. I don't know. It makes me wonder about parenting skills in China. I, I don't know, but that's really strange. And then this one, I've used a chainsaw a few times in, in my life, and um, especially where we used to live, we did a lot of chainsaw work for several years, and I've never confused which end of the chainsaw I'm holding. Nevertheless, this chainsaw said, do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw. I guess there are people out there that uh, think the handle and the chain look a lot alike. Uh, common mistake. Uh, I'm not really sure what category to put this next one in. It's a public service announcement about throat cancer. And notice it says, you may be at risk for throat cancer if you smoke or chew tobacco, have a throat or mouth. <laughs> Well, I guess that is kind of a prerequisite uh, for throat cancer. So somebody uh, really was being detailed in that label. And then uh, this uh, next one, uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, this is some kind of item or product inside a plastic bag. And there's a warning label on this plastic bag. And before you open it, you see this warning label. Now, I'll zoom in so you can see it a little more clearly. Keep this bag away from babies, children, pets, and cheese. <laughs> Why? I mean, you get the sense that you're going to open up your refrigerator and see a bunch of Ziplocs ganging up on a slice of cheddar and bullying it or something. I don't know. Plastic bags and cheese. Well, my, my last and favorite is sort of a parody of all of these signs. It's not real, but it certainly is what we might think after seeing some of these warning signs. Warning, if you are the type of person that actually could potentially do something as stupid as printed on these labels, you probably cannot read said warning labels to begin with. The world would be better without you. Please ignore all future danger signs so we can move on. Thank you. 
the danger of neglect. There are some dangers that are so critical that a warning is necessary. And in Hebrews chapter 2, the writer issues the first of five very stern warnings to Christians in, in the letter of Hebrews. Uh, and it's, it's no laughing matter. Uh, the original audience in, that we talked about last week, the original audience was marked by a, a spiritual immaturity, a lack of depth in their faith. They had gotten saved by trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. But they hadn't really grown very far in their faith. They had sort of neglected the disciplines of the Christian life, and consequently, when they faced a difficult trial uh, and persecution and struggle, they were ill-equipped. They were danger, in danger of slipping away from the faith when Roman persecution ratcheted up. There is a serious danger to neglect. I recall reading a story in the news some time ago about a house fire that was caused by a man who neglected to clean his chimney. And it cost him his home and could have cost him his life. On a spiritual level, if we as Christians neglect the responsibilities that come with having a relationship with Christ, the result can be equally dangerous. It's a serious thing to ignore the responsibilities that we inherit when we accept the free gift of eternal life and become a Christian. And again, I, I want to reiterate, salvation is not something we earn by what we do, nor do we have to do certain things on a checklist to keep our salvation. It's a free gift paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ who died on our behalf at Calvary. We receive it by faith, and in that moment we are born again. We become part of the family of God. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. But as a new member of the Christian family, as a child of God, John 1.12 calls us, we now have a responsibility. And the degree to which we are good stewards of our new spiritual life versus bad stewards will have a lot to say about how well we handle the ebb and flow of life. It has nothing to do with whether we get into heaven. Our Home in heaven is secure. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you have passed from death to life, past tense, at the moment of faith, and shall never come into judgment, John 5, 24. But we do have a stewardship, and neglect, as we said, can be dangerous. Will you be ready for whatever comes our way during these trying times? I'm calling this study through the book of Hebrews, unshakable faith, trusting God in trying times. Um, you know, throughout Hebrews, the, the writer uses a combination of theological arguments, doctrinal arguments, encouragement, exhortation, and also some warnings to motivate his original audience and, and us, by extension, to hold fast to our faith, to hang on. In chapter 1, which we looked at last week, he used a positive argument by reminding us that Jesus Christ is the best. Why forsake Him? He's better than anything and everything that Judaism has to offer, including angels. And now, in the first part of chapter 2, we're just going to look at four verses today. He issues a negative warning. And again, there are five of these sort of easily identified warning passages throughout the book of Hebrews. And I want to let you know right up front, every one of them is written to believers. It's a lot of bad commentaries and bad Bible study teaching out there that in some cases that suggest it's written to unbelievers or even in some cases written to people who can lose their salvation if you don't heed the warning. You've got to keep the whole book of Hebrews in context. He's writing to Christians, Jewish converts to Christianity, Jews who heard the message of the gospel through probably Paul and trusted in Christ, were born again. And now because of pressure and societal pressure and persecution, 
Many of them were abandoning the forsaking of themselves together like we're doing right now on Sunday morning, and the church has done for 2,000 years, uh, and they were going to revert back to Judaism because by associating with Christianity, their lives were in danger, and they could easily escape the temporal dangers by sort of going back to Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews says, you can do that if you want, and it's not going to affect your eternal destiny. But there are some consequences for it. And conversely, there are some great rewards and blessings for hanging on to your faith, sticking with Jesus like we talked about last week. So time frame, historically, we're in the 67 to 69 AD time frame. So the church has been around some 34 to 36 years. And uh, Nero is the Roman emperor who's ratcheting up his persecution. And uh, they were facing some pretty tough times. And I really believe that we're going to be facing some tough times in the weeks and months to come. I can't say how tough. It's anybody's guess, but there's no question these are unprecedented times, not only in our own culture, but throughout the world. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to put the verses on the screen, uh, so feel free to follow along on the screen as well. Uh, but I want to look at this passage together, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, and talk about the caution, the concern, the consequence, and the cure. First of all, the caution. Uh, the caution. The caution is, do not neglect the responsibilities of the Christian life. That's what he's cautioning his readers about, and that's what he's cautioning us about, the timeless truth of God's Word. Do not neglect the responsibilities of the Christian life. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Um, this is These four verses, if you kind of take each one and kind of build it around the caution, the concern, and so forth, you'll see where I'm going with this. But the caution is right here in verse 3. Do not neglect so great a salvation. So great a salvation. The word neglect here is the Greek word amaleo. Amaleo, and it means to be careless of, or to make light of, or to be negligent, or to show no regard for. So great salvation refers to the whole concept of the Christian life. Uh, in this context, it's over against the, the old way of life in Judaism, under the old code, the old law. So great salvation. One of my great mentors and uh, great greatest theologians, I think, of our day who's with the Lord now is Charles Ryrie. He wrote a book called So Great Salvation. And So Great Salvation in Hebrews is referring to the totality of our life in Christ. You know, we have been saved once for all in the past, the moment you trusted Christ. And if you've not done that, I challenge you to do that uh, because it's the only way you can avoid the penalty of sin. We are being saved, present tense, day by day as we, uh, from the power of sin as we walk by faith in Christ. We've been saved once for all from the penalty of sin, but we're being saved daily. It's called sanctification as we walk by faith and not by sight, as we walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. It's a a spiritual growth process. And someday we will be saved permanently from the very presence of sin at glorification when we reach heaven. But the whole pro process here is the great salvation that comes through Christ. But I want to focus on that word neglect. What does he mean when he says, do not neglect so great salvation? I mentioned it's the word amaleo. It's used only five times in the entire New Testament, twice in Hebrews. And many believers disregard or neglect the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, and therefore they miss out on blessings and they face natural consequences. 
You know, even though our sin can never undo what Christ did for us at the cross, you better believe sin has serious consequences. There are practical consequences that come with sin. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. If you touch a hot stove, it's going to hurt. And if we follow God's way and take heed according to His Word, we won't sin and we'll, we'll avoid the pitfalls of life. The world's way is dangerous, right? But God's given us a roadmap to make it through life with as little pain as possible. And it's all about faith and trusting Him. But there are consequences to sin. All of us know that instinctively and experientially. All of us can think about times in our life when we've chosen to disregard God's Word and go with our own plan or our own ideas or our own thoughts, and it hasn't worked out too well. And the writer here is saying, don't disregard the Christian life. It's interesting, one of the five times that this word is used in the New Testament is by Jesus himself. And it's in Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to show you that verse in a second, but let me set the stage for you. So in Matthew 22, it's the final week of Christ's life. He rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey in chapter 21. He overturns the tables of the money changers. He challenges the scribes and Pharisees. Um, he curses the fig tree. Eventually he preaches the Olivet Discourse. Then, of course, we have the upper room moment when he washes the disciples' feet and he institutes the Lord's Supper. And then he's betrayed by Judas in the garden. He's arrested and tried and crucified. And by Friday morning of that week, he's laid in the tomb. Of course, Sunday morning, he rises from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. But it's in the early part of that week that this account takes place. And Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast, the wedding banquet. And if you remember, he, he talks about sending out uh, the, 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 he had the invitations, the time is ready for the feast to start. And so he sends out his servants in this parable to go tell everyone, the invited guests, hey, it's time to come. And what do they do? They ignore him. And they don't come. And listen to the way Jesus describes that. So by the way, eventually he goes out into the highways and byways and he invites the Gentiles to come in. In the context, Jesus is making a point about unbelieving Israel, that I came to you, just like John would later say, he came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. And you rejected me, so now I'm going to go uh, you know, to the Gentiles. But notice the word that Jesus uses. When he sent out his servants, it says, they made light of it, of this invitation. That's the word amaleo, to make light of. Are you making light of so great salvation? If you're neglecting the responsibilities of the Christian life, we kind of are. What are some ways we neglect our salvation? Well, first of all, through the study of God's Word. Sometimes we're negligent because we don't spend enough time in His Word. Paul put it this way, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That phrase, rightly dividing, means literally to cut straight, to correctly handle it, to take the words of Scripture and not seek some type of mystical, spiritualized, goosebump meaning like you see on bumper stickers or posters, but to literally read the Bible in its plain, normal, literal, historical, grammatical sense, look for the subjects and the nouns and the verbs, and cut a straight path to the meaning. When the quill hit the sheepskin, God, the creator of the universe, intended to communicate something to us, and it's for our own good. And so we want to cut straight. We want to rightly divide the Word of God. Later on in that same letter, Paul put it this way, all of Scripture, the word Scripture there is the written word, the Bible that we hold in our hand. It's literally the word graphe, the writings of Scripture. All of Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. It's literally useful. 
the Greek word profitable there is to heap up or accumulate. In other words, by studying Scripture, we're going to heap up and accumulate tools that we need to navigate life successfully. So that what? Every believer can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what we want. We want to be equipped. So some people neglect the, the so great salvation and the responsibilities of the Christian life by neglecting the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to stay in the Word. Uh, we have out on our resource table a little devotional book that I uh, put together. It's got 52 weekly devotionals. You can read each one in a minute or so. The idea is you start out each week by reading one chapter and then uh, just sort of meditate on that uh, passage and that little devotional throughout the week, and it'll help draw you in to the Word of God. We have tons of other Bible study, study opportunities uh, here. Uh, and, of course, there's no excuse today in this information age for people not to be able to get into the Word of God. There's great resources all around us. You have to be careful because there are also some bad resources, so you have to show some uh, discernment. But stay in the Word of God. What are some other ways that we neglect so great a salvation? Well, what about prayer life? Sometimes we're negligent in our prayer life. You know, do we pray only when we're in a crisis? Do we pray only uh, like the baseball player when we step up to the plate? You know, uh, It's like the baseball player that stepped up to the plate and he kind of made the sign of the cross on the plate. And Yogi Berra was the catcher and Yogi Berra kicked some dirt back over the plate, and he looked up at the batter and said, let's leave God out of this one, <laughs> you know. So you can, you can handle this bad, bad on your own. But people pray at some of the strangest times. I remember hearing the story about in Sunday school, the guy told the story about, he says, you know, I, I like to pray while I'm driving. In fact, he said, I do some of my best praying while I'm driving. His wife was sitting next to him, and she said, yeah, I do some of my best praying while you're driving too. Uh, but that's another story. But are you praying? The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Just means communicate with the Lord, praise Him, worship Him, uh, bring your request to Him, um, ask Him for wisdom. James tells us that God will never chide us when we're low on wisdom. Sometimes we get the sense that you know we're, we're struggling with understanding things or struggling with making sense of what's happening around us, and so we, we go to the Lord and we feel somehow sheepish to go to God, uh, you know, because we're asking the same question again and again. But James says, no, God will never chide us for that. We can, we can come unashamedly and uh, irreproachably to God. What are some other ways that we might neglect the responsibilities of the Christian life? Well, coming to church is one. God's divine design in the present age is for the body of Christ to assemble together. There is a distinct one-anotherness to the church today. Christianity was never meant to be lived in isolation. Now, if you're like me, sometimes, especially in crazy times like this, you just feel like you want to just move uh, to a mountaintop and live in a tent and be in isolation, but that wouldn't work because we're not wired that way. First thing you know, you'd end up worshiping trees or something like people have done. You, would, you, you need other people. You need other people for accountability. Iron sharpens iron. We talked about this uh, this week at our men's uh, breakfast. Uh, are you negligent in, in your involvement in church? How faithful are you to gathering Together. Later on, one of the warning passages in Hebrews is going to touch on this idea of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's exactly what the, writer, the, the readers of this original letter were doing. They knew that if they showed up on Sunday mornings and gathered with people that were part of the way, Christianity, it was beginning to be called Christians by this time, 
that they would be identified as Christians and they might be subject to persecution. So what did they do? They, they quit coming. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. We need each other. We need to stand firm. What are some other ways that we might neglect our uh, salvation? Well, again, I mentioned this in our announcement time, but sharing the gospel. Let's never forget that one of our purposes right now of the body of Christ, the church, is to be a light in this perverse generation, as Paul calls it. We are to fulfill the Great Commission, to go out and share the gospel, lead people to faith, and then help them grow up in their relationship with him. And Peter reminds us to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks us for the reason for the hope that is in. Can you do that? Can you do that? Hopefully you'll become so familiar through your Christian walk with the gospel that you'll be able to just instinctively share it. You can state the gospel in 10 words or less. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's the essence of it. And as I mentioned, uh, a good way to, to, to share the good news with others is to use gospel tracts. Uh, neglecting our salvation. Sometimes we're negligent in our fellowship with other believers. You know, who are you spending your time with? Right? Uh, it's fine to have to be friendly with unbelievers, uh, especially if you're trying to be a good influence and share the gospel with them. But our friends, our closest relationships, should be reserved for those who are part of the family of God because that's part of God's divine design. And that will help us as we face trying times to come. Paul put it this way, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. We need iron sharpening iron. We need men and women of faith to come around us and say, hey, you look down, can I encourage you? Can I pray for you? We need men and women of faith to come around us and say, hey, you know, uh, you, you did such and such, and I, I'm concerned. I don't think that was a wise decision. We need to sharpen one another. And yet, sadly, the church has become so much like the world today that many Christians are indistinguishable from the world, and they're spending most of their time with people in the world and they are negligent, they're showing no regard for how that is impacting them. They don't even necessarily realize it. But we need to remember that you never end up acting like the people you don't hang around. You never end up acting like the people you don't hang around. So that's the caution. Do not neglect the responsibilities of the Christian life. Why? Well, that leads us to the concern. The concern is you may drift away from the Lord. You may drift away from the Lord if you are negligent. And that takes us back to verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The word drift away is one word in Greek, pareo, and it means flow by or uh, slip away. It describes the careless state of mind, which is not aware that it's losing ground. Think about the implication of that. The careless state of mind that's not aware it's losing. It's one thing to drift away intentionally. But if we're negligent in the disciplines of the Christian life, we might be drifting away and not even realize it. This is the only place that parareo is used in the New Testament. But it's used in some other Greek literature, and I thought this was interesting. 400 years before Christ, Plato used parareo to describe something slipping away from the mind. Now, you don't know something has slipped away from your mind, and I'm experiencing this more and more the older I get, and some of you can relate to this, I know. You don't know something has slipped away from your mind until you go to retrieve it, do you? And you're starting to, you're starting to tell a story or starting to explain something, and, and it slips your mind. 
Well, it slipped away a long time ago, and you didn't even realize it, but then it's not there when you need it. Uh, during the time of the first century, uh, Plutarch, who was a disciple of Plato 400 years later, he used this word parareo to describe a ring slipping off the finger. That ever happened to you? Maybe you're on vacation, you're out mowing the lawn somewhere, all of a sudden you look down, your ring's gone. It slipped away and I didn't know it. So both of these usages by Plato and Plutarch are examples of losing something without realizing that you're losing it. That's the concern here. Many Christians, by neglecting their spiritual lives and their relationship with Jesus, slowly drift away from Him without even realizing it. And the Hebrew Christians were in that category, many of them. And so when a crisis happens, they're caught off guard, unprepared, ill-equipped. They lack the faith that is necessary to get through because they haven't been exercising their faith. What about you? Are you drifting away? Or are you anchored, sticking with Jesus like we talked about last week? So that's the concern. You may drift away from the Lord. I used to do a ton of traveling, still do a fair bit, but for a while there it was on the road all the time, both flying and driving. And I remember one time when we lived in Illinois, I was driving home from the airport late at night, not paying attention, thinking about the conference I had just done and thinking about the tasks that lay ahead when I get home. And I wasn't paying any attention. I ended up going the wrong way on the freeway. And I didn't realize my mistake until I had gone some 15 miles the wrong way. Well, neglecting our spiritual lives can result in a lot worse than a 30-minute inconvenience. It can result in a pretty serious consequence. So what is the consequence? Well, it leads to great unpleasantness. <laughs> great unpleasantness. I, I borrowed that phrase, and, and I've used it often through the years, from a movie Wendy and I saw years ago. It was a movie starring Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. Maybe you've seen it from the early 90s uh, called Manhattan Murder Mystery. It's a cute movie. Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, her husband and wife, they live in this apartment building in New York City, and they're convinced that their neighbor killed his wife. And they've conjured up all these thoughts and clues in their mind, and so they're determined to get to the bottom of it. So they're sneaking around as amateur detectives trying to figure out what really happened to this guy's wife. And at one point, they're sneaking in. He, they see him leave, the neighbor, and so they say, oh, we're going to sneak into his house. So they steal the key from the super's office, and they come up, and they go into his house, and, and Woody Allen turns to Diane Keaton and says, this can only lead to great unpleasantness. And that's the danger of neglect. Drifting away from the Lord is no laughing matter. Why is drifting away such an urgent concern? If we go back to our text now in verse 2, he says, If the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression, talking about under the old law, received and disobedience received a just reward. In other words, there were consequences for your actions. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, you see if you do this, you get this, blessing and cursing and so forth. But if, 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 if the law, the word spoken through angels that he talked about in the first chapter, had its own system of consequence, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It's amazing to me how many people, when they read this verse, want to insert hell into the context. No reference here to eternal damnation or eternal life or heaven or hell. It's all about practical consequences. All he's saying is that just as in the Old Covenant there were consequences, which they were very familiar with. Remember, these were Jews that became Christians. Likewise, in our walk with Christ, there are consequences. 
not losing our eternal salvation. That's never a consequence. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're adopted into the family of God. We shall never come into judgment. Salvation is a present tense reality, not a future hope. We get saved the moment we trust Christ. But how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord himself during his ministry and was confirmed by the apostles, those of us who heard him, and then he goes on to say, God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders. The whole book of Acts talks about the amazing signs and wonders that validated that God was ushering in a new day in his plan of the ages and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own witness. So God bears witness just like he did in the Old Testament times today that there are consequences. How shall we escape? Drifting away is an urgent concern. It has all kinds of negative consequences. Uh, you know, the emphasis here is on the pronoun we. How shall we escape? Notice the author of the Bible, of this book of the Bible, is including himself. So that's one way we know this can't be talking about going to hell, even if we were prone to read that into the text, which is not even there. Now, he's just talking about the consequences that any believer will face if they neglect the responsibilities of the Christian right, life. What are some unpleasant consequences? Well, I mean, it's, it's a subjective question. Uh, there's no end to sin. There's no end to poor choices and different decisions. Everyone's context is different. The consequences that you may face may be something I'm even unaware of. Proverbs says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. You ever experienced that? You're just filled with joy. And, and, and you go and you tell you know, someone, and, and they kind of like, Oh, yeah, and they move on. And you're, no, no, you don't get it, man. I'm thrilled. Well, that's because the heart, the stranger doesn't really know what's the depths of your heart. And the same thing is true of, of the consequences, right? Now, you just cannot live a negligent, apathetic Christian life and expect there to be no repercussions. They may take the form of forfeited blessings, right? God only wants what's good. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and the Father only gives good gifts to His children. But if we're going our own way, neglecting the, the principles and practices of the Christian life and the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, maybe we're forfeiting those blessings and we never knew about it, right? You heard the, the story about the guy who had a dream that he went to heaven and he was taking the tour and there was this massive warehouse, you know, and in it were all of these boxes and people's names were on all of these different boxes. And he asked St. Peter, what's all that? And he said, oh, these are all of the blessings that remain unused that God never poured out on people below, right? So it could be forfeited blessings in the here and now. could also be forfeited positions of authority in the kingdom. Jesus talks a lot about that. Remember, he's going to come back someday. We're going to come back with him, riding on white horses, inaugurating the long-awaited messianic kingdom, and he's going to put us in positions of leadership. And, and these are some of the rewards that we're going to have. Most of the rewards spoken of in Scripture are positions of authority and leadership. So he might say to me, you know, hey, I want you to be responsible for Sedalia in the kingdom. And he might say to Gary, I want you to be responsible for Western Europe, you know, because he was a better steward of his life on earth, right? So really the Christian life is a really a proving uh, ground, if you will, and Jesus talks about this in Luke 19, the parable of the Minas, for the life to come. There are natural negative consequences that could be quite unpleasant, right, um, for sin. You know, if you drink and drive, you might have an accident. 
right? If you do drugs, you might overdose. If, if you fool around, you might get a disease. There are natural... Sin is an equal opportunity killer. It doesn't care whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. It will seek to do harm, right? Uh, you will incur the discipline of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews is going to talk about this later on, about how whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. But there are negative consequences, and that's the danger of neglect. So what's the cure? What's the cure? Well, very simply, pay more careful attention to God's Word. We, we end where we began. Going back to verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed. What does that mean? Give the more earnest heed. It means pay more careful attention. In fact, the NIV is a, actually a pretty good translation here, and it says pay more careful attention to. It's one word in Greek, all of that. And it just means to, uh, or more careful is one word. It means more frequent, more abundant, to a greater degree, more exceedingly. In other words, you know, as believers, hopefully we all are mindful of the Word of God, but are we really giving it more frequent and more earnest heed? The word heed means to apply yourself, to, to apply these lessons. And, and what are we to apply to? The, the, the things we have heard. Now, again, in this day and age, at the time the writer was writing, the Bible was still being written. Much of it was completed by 67 A.D., but there were still some epistles to come, and the book of Revelation was to come, and so forth. And many of the early letters had, had, had not all been circulated all the way around, but they had a number of them. So he's talking here about the things they have heard from the apostles under revelatory authority, those speaking for God. We don't have apostles today. We have the Word of God, the complete revelation of God. And, and we are to pay more careful attention to God's Word. Well, how do we do this exactly? Well, you've got to, it starts by reading it. You've got to read it. You can hear messages from the Word, and hopefully, uh, you know, you're, uh, obviously this is a Bible-teaching church. Uh, a lot of people go to a church that neglects the Bible, but we are committed to the authority of God's Word as our only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, but hopefully every believer is part of a Bible-teaching church. You do it through Bible studies, through home study. Again, as we talked about, there are no shortage of resources. But we are to desire the pure milk of the Word that we may grow thereby, 1 Peter 2. That we may grow thereby. So, to review the caution, do not neglect the responsibility of the Christian life. Why? Because you may drift away from the Lord. And if you do, it's going to lead to great unpleasantness. But the cure is to pay more careful attention to God's Word. Pay more careful attention to God's Word. So the danger of neglect. There's a, there's a danger to being negligent. And Hebrews warns us about it. It's not a ridiculous warning like, you know, don't climb inside a washing machine or take your shirt off before you iron it. It's a warning that should be taken seriously and with credibility. So what's the takeaway? Well, it's pretty simple. Take your faith seriously. Yes, we've received the free gift of eternal life. Yes, we're so thankful and grateful to be part of the family of God. But until we either go to be with the Lord at death or the Lord comes back, we have a stewardship. And we've been given, in the parable of the Minas, it talks about how we've been given one Mina, and all of the servants were given the same thing, one Mina, a life of service. What are we doing with it? Uh, and the reason that we need to do something and pay attention to our spiritual disciplines is because when something 
serious happens down the road, we want to be ready for it so that we don't drift away the way the first century Jewish Christians were. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together this morning, and we thank you for the exhortation of your word. We pray that it would not return void, but that it would really take root and encourage all of us to be more consistent as we seek to get to know you better, knowing that the more we know you, Lord, the more we'll trust you. So strengthen our faith, Father, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.